Hey, did you hear this one? Two lawyers threw Molotov cocktails at an NYPD police van. How about that? No, it's not an April Fool's joke. I wish it were. This happened a while back. You may have heard about it, but those of you not in the New York metro area may not have heard about it. They're engaged in plea negotiations right now with the federal prosecutors for the Eastern District of New York. Collinford Mattis and Uruj Rahman are accused of torching an NYPD vehicle with Molotov cocktails. And once again, you can't make this stuff up. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of National Preview Online. This week's theme is our anti-cop, uh, the war on police sentiment that's going out there among the uber leftists in the country. Uh, we started it on Friday with our recapping of the Daniel Pantaleo firing and his recent um, defeat in the appellate division in New York State in his Article 78 suit. And we've been covering law enforcement issues every day this week. If you have not already subscribed to the show, please do so by going to either the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, depending which device you use, and search the NPO podcast and click subscribe. That way you won't miss a thing. You'll be notified every time a new episode is uploaded. And you can also download the free Podbean app if you prefer to use a third-party podcast aggregator service. Either way, you can always subscribe, make comments, leave reviews, and we please ask that you do that. The better reviews we get, the more reviews we get, the more readily the show will grow, more people will find it, and we'll get uh, more offerings to you. So, Revisiting that story, it seems here that two lawyers, there's a plea negotiation, this is an update. Two lawyers charged with hurling Molotov cocktails at an empty NYPD van during a Black Lives Matter protest in Brooklyn last summer, surprise, surprise, are still trying to hammer out a plea deal with Brooklyn federal prosecutors. During the virtual hearing on Thursday, defense lawyers for Iruj Rahman and Colin Ford Mattis requested an additional 90 days to work out a disposition, which U.S. District Judge Brian Cogan granted. Now, it's April now. This happened last summer. How long does it take to work out a plea deal? And how sweet a deal are they being offered? Because the details are not being disclosed. Brooklyn federal prosecutors had offered the pair a deal on February 11th, but did not publicly disclose the terms. Now, if convicted... Rahman and Mattis face up to life imprisonment if convicted at trial on charges that include arson, conspiracy, and the use of explosives for the alleged assault on an empty police car on May 29th as protests raged across the city. This is an article from the New York Post. A detention memo said they had tried to pass out the explosives to other demonstrators. Now, Rahman allegedly threw a Molotov cocktail. They have a picture of her here wearing a mask with a beer bottle in her hand, with the cloth coming out of it. Uh, She allegedly threw a Molotov cocktail crafted out of a Bud Light bottle through a broken window of a police vehicle parked near Fort Greene's 88th Precinct Station House. She then hopped into a getaway car driven by Mattis. He's the other partner in crime. Now, Mattis is a graduate of Princeton University and the New York University School of Law. He was an associate at the White Shoe Manhattan firm Prior Cashman, but was furloughed before the incident. Rahman is a graduate of 
Fordham University School of Law, and has worked at Bronx Legal Services representing indigent defendants in eviction proceedings. The attorneys didn't immediately return requests for comment. Now, these are big schools. Fordham University is a very big regional school here. Princeton is obviously renowned, uh, and NYU is considered an excellent first-rate law school. What goes through people's heads to make them think that it's that permissible? This is the permissive nature we have bred for ourselves, that people who have invested all of these years and thousands upon thousands of dollars in higher education are willing to sacrifice all of that and throw it away because reprobates like Al Sharpton and other naysayers and police haters have convinced them that this is perfectly acceptable conduct with no uh, consequences whatsoever. Now, I don't know what kind of plea deal the U.S. attorney in Brooklyn is planning to work for these people, whether it's a, a minimal jail time or no jail time, but you have to know or have to believe in your heart of hearts. If there's to be any teeth to this at all, these people should be disbarred. All of the money they spent, all of the years that they spent studying, the effort, the late night, the cramming. They should be barred from ever practicing law in the United States again and should have their law licenses stripped from them. They should be sanctioned by whatever bar association they are a member of, and they should do some jail time. You just can't throw Molotov cocktails at police vehicles. You have no way of knowing if there's not someone in there or what else could happen if the vehicle explodes. But people that are officers of the court and students of the law should know better. So let's just hope that the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District brings the full weight of the justice system to bear on these two losers. But that's not all that's happening in the sewer uh, that the city of New York has become. We have Mayor Bill de Blasio now blaming the parole system in the state of New York for this attack on an Asian woman by a man who was a convicted murderer. Now, I'm not kidding here. Now, this is something I decided to highlight because it's interesting to note that in the wake of the new law in New York State legalizing marijuana, police officers are not even supposed to be able to stop parolees and ask them anything if it has to do with marijuana. If they see them smoking marijuana, which is no longer a crime in New York State but is a violation of the parole boards uh, or the parolees' conditions of parole, they have to notify that parolee's probation officer and allow them to sanction it. So you can't say that it's the parole system that's broken. It's got to be the state legislature that's broken for putting in place a system whereby when someone is violating his parole and engaged in conduct which violates that agreement, that the police department can't do anything about it. But de Blasio is is unrepentant. The parole system in New York State does not work. Claiming it takes people coming out of prison, including folks who have committed violent crimes, dumps them in New York City with no plan, no housing, no job, no mental health support. Would that be the same mental health support that you cut funding for, Mr. de Blasio? And I don't know why you're so worried about this about the state dumping people in New York City coming out of prison. Weren't you at the forefront of the bail reform where we, nobody gets bail? They just go to get arrested, processed, and out they go. Now all of a sudden you have a conscience. Brandon Elliott 
was living in a city-run homeless shelter at a Midtown hotel when he was busted Wednesday for the vicious attack on a 65-year-old woman. But de Blasio, whose own administration's failings on mental health services have come under fire in the wake of violent attacks by homeless people, pointed the finger at frequent foe Governor Andrew Cuomo for the very same thing. It's time to hold the state of New York responsible for their parolees and for actually providing the services that will give us a chance of avoiding these horrible situations, he said. Now maybe that the imperial governorship is being challenged, that we're going to see a different discussion on this topic, in a slight to Cuomo, who has been embroiled in scandals involving allegations of sexual harassment and COVID-19-related nursing home deaths. According to this article from the Post, uh, NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea also blasted the practice of releasing parolees into the under-resourced homeless shelter system in the wake of the assault. Quote, when you're releasing people from prison and you're putting them in homeless shelters, you're asking for trouble, Shea said on News 11. There's got to be a safety net and there's got to be resources for them. Police edge uh, alleged that Elliot was caught on surveillance footage kicking and stomping on the woman in front of an apartment building on West 43rd Street in the formerly known as Hell's Kitchen, shouting anti-Asian slurs, shouting, F you, you don't belong here. Now, just to let you know what sort of chap this is, Elliot was charged with murder in 2002 for stabbing, are you ready for this, his mother in the chest three times with a kitchen knife in their Bronx home. He pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years to life. Now, this is a perfect example. I've always been a proponent of capital punishment. If a man would kill his own mother, he'd kill just about anyone without a moment's hesitation. Now, second-degree murder is the highest crime you can get in New York State since first-degree murder is off the books. There's no more death penalty. I don't know what they induced this man with to get him to plead a second-degree murder. It seems to me he could have went for a trial and taken his chances and gotten a manslaughter conviction or something else, but he pled guilty to second-degree murder, sentenced to 15 years to life. Maybe they gave him a better recommendation for parole, but apparently... Uh, I don't know when he was sentenced, if this happened in 2002 and he had a plea deal. We're going to assume that the case was resolved within a year or so. He was probably fully incarcerated uh, in 2003. And even if he weren't, uh, he would be getting jail credit time towards his 15 years. But he did more than 15 years because uh, 2002 to 2021 sounds like 19 years, probably committed some violations. He was denied parole. Oh, sorry, he was given 15 years to life. So he certainly did more than 15 years. He was denied parole in February of 2017 and December of 18, but was approved for release in September of 19 and released on lifetime parole two months later, according to the New York State Department of Corrections. So these are the type of people that are being released into our midst by our flawed uh, parole system, and are being handled by our defunded mental health system. So while Mr. de Blasio, dumb SOB that he is, can point the finger at Andrew Cuomo, and Andrew Cuomo is not someone whom I choose to defend, 
There's plenty of blame to go around. Andrew Cuomo certainly did his part, but that doesn't absolve Bill de Blasio of his guilt. He is equally guilty and equally deserving of criticism. Now, lest you think I've grown soft on the governor, and lest you doubt that there is in fact a war on police, look at the budgetary priorities that we have here in the state of New York and elsewhere in the country. While people are decrying the police and they're asking for defunding of the police and severe budget cuts, expecting them to do more with less, we have other forces going in completely the opposite direction. New York State lawmakers and Cuomo, Il Duce himself, are negotiating, are you ready for this, a $2.1 billion fund for illegal immigrants and ex-cons. While people in New York are seeing their businesses eviscerated by the ludicrous executive actions taken by this strunz in the wake of the pandemic, while people are moving out of the state of New York in droves, while they're contemplating new tax increases to already overburden an already overburdened and overtaxed populace in the state of New York, these idiots up in Albany, the head idiot himself, Andrew Cuomo, are negotiating $2 billion for illegal immigrants and ex-cons. I kid you not. In this article, again, in the New York Post, it says here that New York state lawmakers were negotiating a $2.1 billion fund that would give unemployment benefits to illegal immigrants and former inmates, possibly providing some recipients with around $28,000. Legislators and Governor Andrew Cuomo's office were hashing out details of the excluded worker fund, which would be part of the now overdue 20 to 21 to 22 state budget. Let me tell you something here, and I'm sure this will ring true to show you that I have great empathy for the populace of this city, this state, and this country, because I'm one of you. I work my butt off. I have two separate businesses. This podcast I started because I realized just how vulnerable I was in my first two businesses to the whims of government. My businesses were affected by the bans that the governor put in and the closures that he put in because I deal with the public and I could no longer deal with them. I was forced to go on unemployment because of the pandemic. Um, It wasn't worth for me to qualify for a PPP loan because those loans really only help you if you are um, a person who has a substantial payroll because when it first came out, the loans were only going to be forgiven if 75% of it or so went to payroll, and you only could get the equivalent of two and a half months payroll on this uh, loan, which for me would have been a small amount, since when you work for yourself and you're a sole proprietor, many of the things that uh, people take for granted are expensed off the business, so it wouldn't have gotten me very much. Unemployment uh, got me more. And yet I, last year, in fiscal 2020 didn't even get $28,000 from the state of New York. And I've lived here all my life, and I'm not an illegal immigrant. So if anyone deserves something from the state of New York, 
myself and people like me should get a lot more than people who have no right to be here and violated our laws to get here. Now, this proposal was introduced in the Senate and the Assembly two weeks ago, and it aims to help residents who are otherwise ineligible for federal aid, such as people living in the country illegally or those recently sprung from jail. Gee, so it wants to help people that uh, have no right to be here, came here in violation of our laws, and were recently got out of jail because they violated our laws. And these are the people we need to help. Advocates who are pushing for the fund to be closer to three and a half billion. Again, the giant ATM machine of the world. Money, 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 money. Forget that we don't have it. Let's just give it away, borrow it and print it up. These advocates, again, pushing for the fund to be closer to $3.5 billion, have stressed that these so-called excluded workers, that's a very, very fanciful term. Isn't it wonderful how the left comes up with these euphemisms for people who are usually just pieces of garbage? People recently sprung from jail and people who are here illegally and violated our laws to get here, these are now excluded workers were hit hard by the pandemic but didn't receive COVID-19 stimulus checks or jobless aid. Well, you shouldn't have been here. Maybe if you were back in whatever dump you came from, you might have fared a little better. The proposal would impact an estimated 275,000 workers across the Empire State, 173,000 in New York City, 187,000 documented immigrants, and 87,000 recently incarcerated people. Payments would be calculated to mirror the weekly amounts from the federal or state unemployment insurance, or roughly about 500 a week. Recipients would reap an estimated 12600 on average, assuming they were unemployed for 24 weeks from the start of the pandemic in March 2020. Could you really believe that people are contemplating this? The maximum benefit anyone could receive if they were unemployed for the entire time covered would be 28600 for the first year of the pandemic, March 2020 through March 2021, and 17500 from April through December of 2021. Now, opponents, oh, there's a refreshing thing. We do have opponents of this, argue that the plan is irresponsible from a fiscal standpoint at a time when the state is hemorrhaging money due to the pandemic. According to Republican Senator Daphne Jordan, this outrageous scheme is the latest in a long line of state government's mis- misplaced priorities. Jordan, who represents parts of the Hudson Valley and the Capital Region, added, quote, it makes no sense to send billions of taxpayer dollars to illegal immigrants and convicted felons. Here, here. The ongoing discussions over the fund involve requests from Cuomo's office that people provide documentation for their work and unemployment history in order to qualify. But proponents from State Senator Jessica Ramos of Queens argue that it would be hard to get those documents since employers would not likely tell the government that they once hired undocumented workers, nor should they hire undocumented workers. And it's so nice to see Senator Ramos dressed so appropriately wearing a, uh, a hoodie while doing a press conference. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And these talks take place as Cuomo and lawmakers are continuing to try to hammer out the final details of the state's mammoth $200 billion spending proposal for the next fiscal year. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You really have. And of course, putting in her two cents was that genius 
former bartender and congressional representative Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez saying she supported the brave workers who were fasting. I'll tell you what, why don't you give a few dollars, Ms. Cortez? You were certainly overpaid. If I put you, Ilan Omar, and Rashid Tlaib, and the rest of the squad together, and added up your IQs, I wouldn't have the sum total of a pencil eraser. <sighs> For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.